Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello everyone, I'm Shanti. Welcome to the next normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and every single day we have an opportunity to learn more about who we are and why we're here. Have you ever been in a situation where by default you showed up somewhere and all of a sudden (laughs) you were thrusted into a role of great responsibility and little did you know that you had what it took and it just led to other great things in life? My special guest today is none other than the Honorable Hala Ayala. Born and raised in Virginia, she understands our common wealth and its history, its challenges, and its many opportunities as the daughter of a Salvadorian and North African immigrant father and an Irish and Lebanese mother. Hala reflects the growing diversity of Virginia and the strength that it brings to our future. For over 20 years, as a cybersecurity specialist with the Department of Homeland Security, she has worked to protect our nation's information system and prevent attacks on our national security. Can you only imagine how busy she must be? In 2017, Hala helped organize the first Women's March in Washington, D.C. What a moment that was. She has served in Virginia's House of Delegates and most recently ran for lieutenant governor in Virginia. She made history as the first woman of color to receive the Democratic nomination for any statewide office in 2021. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our special guest, the Honorable Hala Ayala. Welcome. Thank you, Sister Jenna, for having me on today's show. Life has a way of keeping us on the edge of our seat. And I think at this particular time in history, 7.5 billion of us might be feeling that we're sitting on the edge of our seats. Is there anything that you can identify right now that you are learning about the way you feel called to show up now more than ever? You know, my life started out very interesting. A number of experiences that would not have led me to the field of politics or leadership or leading anything other than just trying to dig my way out of a hole. But of course, I think God had something better planned or more planned for me beyond my self-awareness. Now, as I'm seeing our political climate and just our climate in general, we're facing a pandemic, we're facing a lot of disconnectedness, a lot of ununifiable voices or united voices. And so I think now more so than ever, they need leaders that are not only grounded and focused on uniting people and bringing them together, but helping them navigate The challenges that we're facing today, whether it be economical, whether it be relationships, whether it be policies, things that touch our day-to-day lives, I think it's so very important to have those connections and individuals that are going to lead by example 
very focused on the outcome, the goal, which is to make this world a better place. It's interesting. Both of us come from very diverse backgrounds, but yours is definitely what we call in Indian culture, kitchari or biryani. It's like it's really mixed up that you have the East and the West and the middle just swirling through you. And nothing speaks greater than having such a multitude of cultures and ethnicities coming through your soul. My father is Indian and my mother is African Jamaican. And I've often thought I couldn't take sides. I can't say my Indian side was better than my African side. And I remembered walking in life just in the middle and valuing what I could learn from both dimensions. So it made me very, very inclusive with the way that I approached relationships or just the world in general. Would you say it's been the same for you? Have you been like that too? You know, all my life, my identities were a struggle. Even in the political climate, there's a box that we as humans are looking to check. What are you? Who are you? Where are you from? What is your name? You know, all of these identities that are so circular around us. And colorism played a big part of my life because I was so diverse. I read Obama's book because he faced one of the first diverse leaders we've ever had in our country, such turmoil with colorism. And he said so eloquently in words I did not have as a young person and even as an adult. And they said, have you ever imagined and I'm paraphrasing here, being a part of everything at once and nothing at all at once. And so walking that line, walking straight down the middle is something my parents said, you know, nothing goes too far to the left, nothing goes too far to the right, just stay down the middle and you'll be okay. And so as our world evolved and as we became more self-aware and trying to be self-inclusive, I think we also had unintended consequences where we divided us a little bit more because we're so worried about checking all of these boxes versus loving each other as humans, as individuals, bringing talents and a diverse voice and cultural to the table that will just be plentiful for us all. Yes. We all have a seat at the table. We don't have to be on the menu. Yeah, I love that. I was raised by a single mother. And I remembered watching her parenting abilities or her skills might not have always been the best. And I don't mean that she was not violent. She didn't put me in situations that would risk my purity or my innocence as a child. But I remembered she worked three jobs just to make sure things were okay. And when I would go to visit my father on the weekend, he had everything. And I used to wonder why is it that mom had to struggle so much? But yet, the love that I had received from her hard work and labor, it has made me the person that you're even seeing today. So working as a single mother and being in the 20-year career in the federal government, you served in the Virginia House of Delegates and recently ran for lieutenant governor. Can you tell us a little bit about this journey? And what inspired your interest in politics? I resonate with what you said about moms. Um, my mother hadn't worked a job, but when she did, I was the caretaker. I was very responsible very early on. And my mother had this guilt. She said, I feel like I took your childhood away from you. I feel like you were absent of being youthful. And 
she said, but yet you're such a mature old soul. I didn't know what that meant, especially at a very young age. I just knew that I better do my chores. I better do the things my mother asked me to do. And I think at some level, my mother worried about the very things that you would feel or how children would feel or perceive that mom was not either emotionally available or there was a deficit somewhere in our relationship or just her being present in the moment of our being raised. But what I found after losing her at a very young age, she was 51 years old when she left this world, is that we are all equipped as individuals with all the tools and resources, the breath in our body and the being and the people that raise us, the individuals, our parents, whether it be our grandparents or another family member, do the best they can with what they have. And not all of it is the best and have the heartwarming experiences. But for me, I was very lucky to have someone who led with love and loved other people, would give the shirt off her back if she could. And sometimes that came out of sacrifice where she wasn't able to spend so much time with us as family, but gave so much to others. And I think that is how I entered politics with that seed planted. I was so mad that she was always talking to other people versus talking to us. But I saw the light in her eyes, you know, the way she felt like she was doing something to contribute to the greater good, whether it was giving advice or putting a hot plate of food down for someone who needed to eat or helping someone who needed money on this, you know, who was looking for help or assistance. And she never met a stranger, no matter where she went, because of the love that she exuded and delivered out, she received back. So... I think those seeds were planted in me somewhere, as frustrating as I felt as a kid, and blossomed in their own way. And as someone who entered politics, it was by happenstance. It was literally somebody drugged me to go do a phone bank for Obama. I wanted to go out to lunch and enjoy my friend. And she said, let's go do this. And from there, it just took off. You know, I had no idea that I had any interest in the politics. One, that I could do it because... I didn't graduate from Harvard. I wasn't a doctor or a lawyer. So all of these preconceptions of what a politician is and was, we broke barriers in 2017 that a store clerk worker, an Uber driver, a single mom of two working for the federal government, a mother that was expecting a baby and walking, knocking doors. So we've changed the narrative about what is the preconception of what a politician is. And I think from there, it just grew. Yeah, it's so powerful. You know, I was thinking about how many single mothers out there really get the help that they need. I don't remember my mother really getting help. I just remember she had to go out to make sure that there could be food on the table. And what better leadership, Ayala, where you could be somebody that have gone through all that you've gone through to lead. When I look at politics today and I look at our lives, we want to feel somebody who's real and who has been through what I've been through. The 4% of individuals, okay, they might get a message that's very articulate online or on screen or in a commercial. But what I've known that has always touched my heart is even us having this face-to-face conversation. Maybe When I see you knock up my door and just say, hey, I'm running and like to know who you are, what your interests are, and here are mine. It's that people-people connection. And what better 
of a way to connect with people then personally and through your own story of your trials and, and tribulations. Can you share with me one of those moments when it just seemed like it couldn't get any worse? And where did you pull your strength from to say, well, it's going to have to get better no matter what? Did you remember that moment or the many moments? I've had lots of those moments. And that is why I you know, shared the statement that my trajectory in life did not place me in the space to while I was campaigning for lieutenant governor, to stand on the stage with not one but two presidents of the United States, you know, to meet the vice president, to have those experiences. And when I ran the first time for the House of Delegates before attempting to run for higher office, I had to quit my job of 17 years because being a Hatch Act employee, you can't run, you know, for state office or any office and not being well off or, you know, having an abundant savings account, I took a big risk. I cashed in my 401k. I was one month away from bankruptcy when I won this election for the first time. I $69 in the bank, and I started a new job two weeks later. And because of the work that I do, that takes a very long time to not only process a clearance and all the paperwork that is needed, but also to get you onboarded. So literally, two weeks after I won, being the first cybersecurity specialist, being the first Afro-Latina woman, Lebanese-Irish woman to be elected to the House of Delegates here in Virginia, I started a new job and just carried on because I had responsibilities. But that was one of the scariest moments that the risks that I've taken did pay off. But I think I lost 30 pounds during that election cycle sure um, because of the and the worry that I face. Yeah. And many single women or single parents go through that on a day-to-day basis, on the month basis, about how we're going to make ends meet. So when I can tell them to hang in there no matter what, there will always be light at the end of the tunnel. Just never give up. Coming up on March 8th, we will be celebrating International Day of Women. And while women have made strides in many areas that changes have occurred in terms of women, What do you think is the role now for women entering in the political arena? If I were to give a piece of advice versus define their role, because I think that's up to the individual on what that role is. My role, my objective when I went to the house was to pass Medicaid expansion so people would have accessible health care and pass the Equal Rights Amendment, putting equity in our United States Constitution. And so... Virginia became the 38th state. I came there with the intent of not only passing that legislation, but also continuing the work, passion I had for health and disabilities for children and families and just the well-being. But I think women in politics bring their own persona. They're very nurturing. I remember day one, I moved into my office. We are very unique in the way we live our lives. We are, we're not one-dimensional. We're very three-dimensional, if not more. So I remember smudging my office with sage because I believed in the power of positivity and spirituality and faith and health. And I wanted people to feel welcome. And believe it or not, they laughed at me because they had never seen anything like that done in the General Assembly. But At the same time, every time someone came in, the one thing I always heard was they always felt warm, welcomed, 
and positive. Despite our differences, I always try to carry myself or remind myself that someone is on the other end of that conversation when you're having it. Yeah. Be careful with your words because words have power. They matter. They can start wars or they can end them. And that you treat people and you teach people how to treat by the way you behave. So that is kind of my ethics or my way of bringing spirituality into the work that I did and still want to continue to do. And as women just bring those influences, the hardships, whether it's their spirituality or the nurturing spirit, we have all these dimensions and we're not afraid to speak up and share those dimensions with the general public anymore. Before it was taboo to have any discussion (laughs) about who we are as an individual or even to vote. But now we've made so many gains and strides. And I think we just continue to run for office and bring that representation forward. But I love that. I did a production called Soul Talk on the Hill, where I used to go to the Capitol and interview many senators and congresspeople about their personal lives and about their spiritual side. And whether they were meditating or not, I mean, definitely Congressman Tim Ryan that led the pack with meditation and opening up a meditation room in the Capitol for members and staff to be able to go and meditate. I'm telling you, if we don't pause and somehow tap into a place of good intention for all, we're going to self-destruct. And whether it's lighting a candle, an incense, a sage, spraying your room with an aroma, and you know those plugins that we would plug into the wall and it makes your whole office or room smell good? It's that I want harmony. I want peace in my deliberations and to be able to find a way in how we can work better together. I am not going to believe for one minute, Hala, that people really just feel fed by all of the hate and anger that they spew out ever so often. I am sure that they come to a point in their lives, they're just exhausted. And I think that when women enter into politics, they can be like the grandmothers, the mothers, the sister, who can hold up civilization and humanity and say, it'll be okay. Now, let's go this way. This will be the best way. So I think that the empathy, the patience, the tenacity, the strength, the tirelessness of a woman could actually turn politics around. So bringing them at the table would be really, really important. So we're witnessing a great deal of fear, anger, division in the country, especially in the political arena. Do you have any thoughts about how we can bring about a new set of values and virtues which can foster cooperation, compassion, spirituality, inclusion? It sounds like heaven, I know. But I used to really be into the information in the news. Now I'm just, I think I give like 5%. I just can't keep feeding that energy into my soul anymore. Any thoughts about how you would help to create unity and help us to focus on the greater good? I think one leading by example and talking more, sometimes going along with the crowd is fun. You can get stuck up really easy into being that person. And I have to remember my raising, the things that my mother did in order to be a part of something greater than herself, even with the small steps she had taken, didn't require things to be 
describe them as loud or being belligerent or being unkind and using words that just stoke fear. Um, she met with the most amazing people from Oprah Winfrey to presidents of universities. And they came to our home and Virginia just to talk with her. They say, we hear the work that you're doing. Are you part of an organization? What are you doing? Nothing. It was just simply out of the space and love for her heart. And the amazing thing to see sometimes actresses or people who would quietly come in. And she just said, let's pray. Let's just be a part of something better than ourselves. And what I'm providing you is not your healing. It's you doing the work. It's you as an individual wanting to center yourself. So I would love to see more meditative or prayer rooms or a space where people could just close off the noise and center themselves and get grounded. And I think a way to reset ourselves is to do just that daily or in the middle of the day when you just feel like, all of this energy is coming at you. Working in politics, the energy is constant. It can be heavy. It can be thick. And it can be joyous all at the same time. And so no matter if you're experiencing happiness or sadness, whatever the emotion is, being able to center that and balance it so that you see clearly what are the next steps. How do I need to improve this policy? Or how can I help this constituent? I think it's very instrumental to the way we work, not only in governance, but just in our day-to-day jobs. I agree with you 100%. And I feel that one of the missing links is that we don't pause enough. And I remember, I think it was in the Scottish House of Parliament, we led a meditation, but they started to adapt to pausing every hour in the hour. In my community, we have something called traffic control. So every hour in the hour, there's a ping. And that ping reminds you to go inwards and basically remind yourself that your nature and your religion is peace. And you can get everything you still want from a peaceful place rather than a place of violence. And I'm hopeful that at some point in time, we will begin to feel the addiction, but also we'll begin to feel, Hala, the currency of peace and how priceless it is to not only have the currency and the wealth of peace, but to share that currency with one another. Jobs. Let's talk about that for a little bit. It's been predicted that millions of jobs will be eliminated or significantly changed into the future due to automation and digital disruption. And yet, despite efforts to increase the number of females pursuing studies in science, technology, engineering, math, There's still few females working in these areas. Why is that? And what more can be done to encourage their participation in these critical areas? You know, here in the state of Virginia, we have talked about this very thing. I, coming from the background, I remember walking the halls of the the unit that I was working in. I was one of the very few women of color in this field. So I essentially was working in the space of men and military and this environment and didn't have a mentee or a mentor. I had to seek that outside my work that I did. What we can do in schools is representation matters. I'm a firm believer that you can't be what you can't see. So talking more to our young people as they're looking for the future, being inclusive, Finding more than one way to skin a cat, for lack of a better word, if you're not 
able to attend a college? What's, how about training these learning institutions that make this accessible, not to just some, but for all? We are still trying to balance out equal work for equal pay for women. And this also impacts the way we look to our future and strive for higher education, higher studies, or we here in the United States have visualized our role to be and don't see that women, again, can do walk, talk, and chew gum all at the same time. And we have living examples of that. So I would say to you is that in order to increase representation, we must be intentional about increasing representation. It's beautiful. It's interesting as I listen to you speaking and just imagining how your constituents must have felt so hopeful with what you bring to the table. The reason why I'm saying that is as an outsider of politics, looking in, we have no idea of the things a member of the House or House of Delegates, the Senator, a president for that matter, deal with on the internal aspects of their colleagues and fighting for people's rights and beliefs and bumping up against the almighty ego or maybe the almighty attachment and trying to find a way to navigate through that when you're bringing something that you know will help your people and everyone in general, but then somebody has a different agenda, a different idea. We've been watching it now since this newly elected president and all the uphill battles that he's been going through. We saw it with the previous president and all the struggles that he went through. Nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes as an outsider, being a constituent in Virginia, for you, with you. We don't even even remotely understand the battle and the fight that you put in to get what you think is better for us. I was wondering if there was a message that you could ever tell us that we should hear in order to become more engaged, aware of our power as people to help to get the things that we thrust onto you to do for us to bring into law? What can we do more to help all of us to get the things that we deeply want so our lives can be easier? I do think that was part of my initial reason to run for office was to do more, to watch my life experiences and have the experiences I did standing in food lines, wondering when my next meal was going to happen, watching my mother after losing my father to gun violence at, at a very young age, so watching her suffer sometimes with health, mental health, and watching, you know, no matter how much family love that you have, sometimes you need professional resources. You need additional assistance because you may not have the expertise or tools, despite how much love that you can give to really help this individual you know, navigate some of these challenges. We need to speak more to humanity as lawmakers, and it does get tough in the places in which we serve. Because as you mentioned, we're fighting energies. We are opposing ideals. We all have different views of what this looks like for our constituents. And I think that if there's room to talk and compromise and just lay down the foundation we can continually agree on building towards success and being very creative in what that looks like for everyone and also being inclusive. And that's a very fine line 
to really navigate or just to stitch up, if you will, for lack of a better word. But having more women at the table, I think we're able to communicate those goals. I think there are more women in Congress than there ever has been in history. So it is increasing. Things are opening up. And I think we're also maturing. One of the ways that I've contributed in building more awareness, I was at a dinner table the other day and somebody started to speak something very negative about a political area of interest. And I just had to stop them. I said, just stop. Don't do that. If you keep speaking about what's bad about a political party, you're adding to that energy. The question that I think we need to have is what can we do good to help these political parties that we belong to on whatever side of the table you belong to? It should not be, though, that it continues to do the theater of advocating a lack of morals, values, and ethics. And I think that if we recognize the role and the power in living a life of morals and ethics and values, think about the future generation and what you're going to be creating. You'll be creating giants and you would leave giants behind that you know will definitely secure the rest of civilization. And I think that's where we need to all think collectively with everyone to see how we can bring those giants forward. Being a woman who's accomplished so much in life, what has been your most magical moment on your journey? How has gratitude helped you along the way? I remember as I was just dipping my toe into politics, I was enamored by the possibility of the first woman president. And I was very new to politics in 2008 about the first black man being president. Because what that represented to me was progress, not only for myself, but for my children. And that maybe through the way he spoke and the way I felt when he spoke, that we could really change the hearts and minds and heal some of the challenges that we have had as the United States from our racial history and the, the, the horrible experiences we've had in the past to looking towards a brighter future of hope and change. I remember sitting and doing everything I can to get President Obama elected. And again, I'm just a small little pea. And then I remember someone coming to me and handing me a ticket to attend one of the rallies. And I said, okay. And they said, well, it's not in the front, but you still can attend. At that moment, when they handed me the ticket, something said to me, it's going to be okay. You'll be closer than you think. And the next thing you know, two days later, and this was the day before the rally, somebody called me and said, would you like to be even closer? I said, would I like to be even closer? They said, yes, you would. I was like, there's no way. I was so excited. I they said, no kids, but I wanted to bring my son because this was so important to what, again, you can't be what you can't see philosophy and I got the ticket I walked in and the crowd was worried you could feel love unity you could feel hope excitement and I'm like yes more of this I felt so energized and I remember getting very close to being right there to the stage I said this is not possible right how did I get here a little girl from the projects and experience I was just so proud to be there the next thing you know a man came up and said to me, we'd like to put you on the back of the stage. So when he comes up, you'll be able to be right there. 
front and center. Would you like to stand behind the president? The goosebumps. Because I always go to a place and I said, whatever's supposed to be will be. And where no man, no human will ever close those doors. Because my faith tells me that whatever is written is written for you. So no matter what is said, what is done, how we conduct ourselves from day to day, no matter how hard the day is, whatever is written is for you. Prove, because I held that in thought. Again, the energy was just perfect, that thought of well-being and confidence. And we need more of that experience where we can say as a population, as a human being, and we will fail at times. We're not perfect. But continually strive for it's okay. We'll get through this together. And holding that in thought and holding that energy, as you did at the dinner table, so politely so to the individual that was attending that dinner with you. Just reinforcing yeah. and being very intentional. That's not okay, but this is what is okay. And just and gently nudging that energy yeah. into it. And not to be somebody who tries to hold the person back as they're going forward. So you can hold your vision for your future, and it can be grand. And while you're holding it, you might see others moving ahead of you. Support and help them because they just might pull you in. And what I see sometimes is people trying to pull the other one back because they're winning or they're going ahead of them, not realizing that we're in a cycle of consciousness. So what goes around comes around. And the quicker I can figure out that universal form of life, then I won't set myself up for situations that I might not be able to bear as much as I want. And so I think we are definitely in a more evolved time. I know it doesn't seem that way. It looks as if we're just becoming more and more insane <laughs> with some of the choices or decisions that we make. But it's a really hopeful time, wouldn't you say? And if there was any piece of advice that you have received over these past few decades of your existence that you thought was the best piece of advice you've ever received. Do you remember what it was? There are so many, but be authentic, be yourself, continually strive to evolve, whether that means you're learning or listening, but don't worry, be happy. I know that sounds so cliche, and especially that there are people that experience things that have been much more catastrophic than I have experienced in my lifetime. But to know that through the energy that you hold as an individual, it does project out. And people sense that about you. And so despite your challenges and despite the things that we are seeing happening in the political world or the spiritual world, um, everything happens for a reason. And so be okay with that. Again, Whatever's written for you will be for you. That way it takes away the element of not being enough, not having enough, or not doing this enough, because you are enough. Touch my heart. You hit it on the nail. For women and men who just can't seem to stay still for too long because of the demands of life and the varied responsibilities that we are called upon to fulfill how do you practice self-care and balance for your personal and professional life? Any tips? A lot of coffee, Sister Jenna. I'm just going. 
<laughs> but I do drink a lot of coffee. But I do take walks. I do remember where I come from. I remember I try to, even though those memories sometimes can be painful, remember how far I've come and how far that the higher power, if you believe God, Buddha, or whomever you pray to, has a purpose for you. And whether the experience be painful at the moment, if I'm not taking that walk, or whether the experience be joyous, I try to hold that thought that there's always space for you, that there's always a seat at the table for you, and you're never alone. So with that in mind, even though there may not be a physical person, but just me and my dog Poppy walking, as I'm still contemplating, as I'm reflecting, I think some of that self-care is breathing in fresh air and, ex- and just breathing out that negativity and that heaviness. I yes. may make a little progress that day, but it's sometimes I make a lot of progress just having access to fresh air. So my self-care is a way that I celebrate. I'm a firm believer we are a walking business card, and so how we present ourselves is very important. You don't have to have the most expensive, but whatever you can do to be welcoming and inclusive, not only visually, but in an energy way, It'll look through through jeans, through a scarf, or Mm -hmm. a house coat. So just be authentically you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Honorahala Ayela, you are definitely an inspiration, and we're hoping that maybe you'll get back in the ring again, because that we're really moving towards a more, what's the best word? I don't want to say spiritual, but I'd say more aware, more of an awakened way of existing with one another. I know this with all my heart, that deep inside everyone, when they become still enough, they will see what love wants them to do. And you can do that in politics, do that in the corporate sector, you do it with your next door neighbor. And women like you at the table will definitely help us to get closer to that mark. So thank you so much for joining us. Are there any, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our amazing audience? And if there's a contact information that you'd like to leave them with, please do. Absolutely. Sister Jenna, thank you so much for having me. Being in the room with you, this is a moment. I have to thank our friend for connecting us and paying homage to the work that she's been chasing me down for us to connect. So that was just amazing. Things work out the way they're supposed to. But this morning I read this quote from Maya Angelou, and it says, love is a condition and the healing spirit so profound that it allows us to forgive. And I posted that on my timeline. And so today I just allow everyone to absorb that from Dr. Maya Angelou, who is no longer with us here in the physical space, but love is healing. So I send love to each one of your viewers from my heart to yours. What's your best website that we can find you? Hala for Virginia. Dot com. Beautiful. And that's H-A-L-A for Virginia dot com. Correct. It's F-O-R Virginia spelled out dot com. So to be continued, my dear sweet sister, and may you continue to rise and thrive and just bring the light forth that you are. And as you combat those wonderful brothers, you know, who tend to maybe do it in a different way, I am sure. When they bump into your light and your empathy and your tirelessness and values, 
it might remind them of who they really want to be at service. So thank you so much for joining us and all the very best. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Thank you to your viewers. <laughs> all right, everyone. I'm sure you've enjoyed my time together with the Honorable Hala Ayala again. And sometimes we have to get out of our box, whether you're being thrusted out of it or you feel that love is telling you to come out of it, just get out of your box. You'd be surprised at how much potential and capacity is sitting inside of that little tiny soul that you are. And especially if you maintain your intimate relationship and connection with Source, with God, Allah, Jehovah, Jesus, whatever makes you comfortable, God is one for all, right? Just step out of your box. And you begin to experience the richness of your spirit. And when your spirit starts to feel so rich, there's no telling what good you can do on the planet. Thank you so much for joining us today. All the very best. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I'm suspecting more and more to practice loving each other the same. Take care. Meditation intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices my new book that is out on amazon barnes and noble and you can get it from sacred stories publishing or on america meditating radio the quieter you become the more you're able to hear one of my opening pages of this book i have heard time and time again that when you go into the stories and the narratives of the 37 authors that are sharing with you their mystical experiences of the divine, something in you changes. It has already reached number one three times in mysticism category and in new age category for new releases. I want you to get a copy for yourself and tell me what you feel as a result of closing that final page of this book. Meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. It's calling you. Can you hear it? Rice Alley Restaurant wishes you happy holidays. Located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia. We're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come, savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.